that was actually the time where I said, I can no longer live that contradiction. Even though I was at the good end of that spectrum, being a foreigner in India, having an expat salary, uh, having different businesses, I definitely lived the good life, so to say. And many of my friends said, why would you leave? Why would you not continue to be here? You, you have everything. I mean, we dream of what you have. And then I said, yeah, but I can't live that in the context of people having nothing. Either I have to give everything away or I have to go. Brain Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Unleash Your Supernova, storytelling at its best. Meet creatives that are doing what they love while changing the world. Tune in to grow in business and in life. I'm your host, Nova Lorraine, award-winning fashion designer, producer and host of Unleash Your Supernova and author of the soon-to-be-released book, if you're listening to this before March 16th, 2021, of Unleash Your Supernova, 101 Tips on Increasing Creativity and Beaning Burnout. It is your guide to successfully and happily survive this crazy roller coaster of creative entrepreneurship. I have a repeated guest, one of my good friends and colleagues, Dr. Berlinger. He's been on our show before. He is a fan favorite. We're going to be talking about mindfulness today and how it can tap into your inner brilliance and help you increase your creativity and, of course, unleash your supernova. Dr. Brillinger is a researcher in human condition. He has a doctorate in philosophy, which led to his interest and studies in quantum mechanics. He is also an expert in Ayurvedic medicine, having spent 20 years in India, Nepal, and Tibet. Welcome back, Dr. Brillinger. Thanks for having me back. It's always great to be on your show. I uh, hope you're, you're doing well in this crazy times. I am doing well. I'm very grateful for that. And I'll have to say that partly is due to a course I took this summer. And um, the timing could not have been better. It started in May. I was asked to take a trial course in a grad program. Uh, it was It's at the at Penn State University. It's their Doctor of Education program. And the head of the department had asked if I would take a course that she was teaching to see if I was interested in joining their program. So I was like, sure. So she sent over the information. I didn't even know what course it was. She sent over the information. And when I was registering, I saw that it was a graduate course on mindfulness. And I have to say, prior to taking that course, I thought I knew what mindfulness was. <laughs> I clearly only had a fraction of a fraction of the knowledge of what truly embodies mindfulness. And that course lasted for about three months. We had an intense load of reading and research and presentations and papers that we had to do. And I, even though it was a ton of work, I am so grateful because it helped give me techniques in dealing with, as you mentioned, the crazy times that we're in now. Also, it helped give me content for my book. And so I actually have a chapter dedicated to mindfulness hacks in Unleash Your Supernova. And I'm excited to delve into the topic in more detail with you today. So let's go. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this is about storytelling. 
my podcast is about storytelling. I love juicy stories. Tell us, tell myself and the listeners something that happened to you, a situation where you had to apply mindfulness that really helped take whatever you were doing to the next level or helped you overcome, you know, something tragic or yeah, give us a good story and how mindfulness played a role in your life. Yeah, thanks for letting me share. Let's be also honest, when you're young and you grow up, you're very much focused inside. It's like your world is very important. And uh, mindfulness is something that I personally found grows only when you're a little bit older, when you have a certain amount of life experience and you understand that life sometimes can be complex. Not always saying it must be, but it can be. And what it brought out in me was actually that I was thinking about what is the essence of being mindfulness? I mean, because especially, you know, living in India a lot and in Nepal and also in Tibet, you meet a lot of people who are extremely rich and you meet a lot more that are extremely poor. So you have this extreme band, this spectrum like where you have very little middle class and very little in between and a lot of the extremes. And of course, the poor are a lot more than the rich, but it goes into both directions, very extreme. And at one point, mindfulness had to set in because you cannot overlook that either way. Right, right. And it led me at one point actually to that that I no longer want to live there permanently. Because I have to really say, if you, because both ends of the spectrum are not necessarily good. Rich people who have nothing to lose and think they can do anything and completely live their ego, I mean, you can see that anywhere in the world, that's definitely not nice to be around. I mean, that are unpleasant characters. And even though the media celebrates them, they're just ready to manifest their ego in any way and they don't even see or how it could affect others so that's not pleasant but that's normally a choice that's easy to avoid right but especially on the other side also if you have a lot of poor people there's a point where you either have to give everything away you have to help them which is a way almost like being a second mother Teresa and you dedicate yourself to helping them or you have to literally remove yourself from that if that's not your path and just say look I cannot just overlook it because the moment you apply mindfulness there is a, it's an act of compassion and you have compassion to what's going around you it's unavoidable that that conflict is created yeah and I want to just jump in at that point and take a step back a little bit to share with our listeners what I learned, what defined mindfulness. And it's the act of paying attention in the present moment without judgment. And I think that's, for most, very hard to do. As you were saying, when you were in these environments and you had the extremes on both ends, the extremely wealthy and extremely poor, it's hard to not have judgment in whatever direction in that environment. So I could see how you said that you would want, it brought you to a point where you wanted to leave in order to be more mindful. Well, let me tell you the story that actually really flipped my mind. 
I was in the end of my time in India, I was living in a place called Oroville. And Oroville is actually a wonderful community originally uh, set up to be like a hippie community in the 70s where people live an alternative lifestyle. And one has to know it's in the center of South India at the coast. So it's beautiful, it's warm, full of coconut trees. But it's also in an area that was originally very, very poor. So you have these about 2,000 foreigners who live like a really wealthy life. I mean, they have everything from cafes to cappuccinos to they have like this perfect life. And then around them, you have all these servants they have who serve them to live that perfect life. But originally that was started out as a spiritual community. And so how can you be spiritual when you have this contradiction? And one day I was just getting off my favorite cafe in Oroville, had a cappuccino, chatted with friends, you know, like really high class in the middle of the jungle. And then I wanted to pick up a custom-made sink that I just had ordered because I had a hotel nearby and I needed that sink. And it had to have a certain size and everything. And, you know, to make things custom-made in India, it's not that complex and also not very expensive. And for some reason, the guy was already gone when I arrived and his shop was closed. So I decided, okay, I'm just going to sit here for a while and then go back. And then I saw a mother with two children and you could just see that everything she had was what she was wearing. I mean, she had like a very old sari. You could see it was really wrecked. And she had those two children in her hand and you could just see how literally poor that woman was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then I thought, how can I be part of a world where people spend in a day in Oroville what she makes in a year? Mm. And is that what inspired you to leave? That was actually the time where I said, I can no longer live that contradiction. Even though I was at the good end of that spectrum, being a foreigner in India, having an expat salary, uh, having different businesses, I definitely lived the good life, so to say. And many of my friends said, why would you leave? Why would you not continue to be here? You, you have everything. I mean, we dream of what you have. And then I said, yeah, but I can't live that in the context of people having nothing. Either I have to give everything away or I have to go. So I would love to know, after you made that decision, and based on what we know as mindfulness, if we can go into more detail as we move forward, what was that, when did that aha moment happen or that change happen where you became more mindful? Or was that it? Or was that the catalyst? Was making that decision at that moment in time when... It's a good question. I mean, I have to say that we may have to look at that point, is mindfulness an ability? Is it something we can learn or is it something that happens? And I think it's a little bit of both. I think it happens through paradigms that something happens that just wakes you more up. And it wasn't that I felt mindfulness before. I felt spiritual and great. So it's not that I did not live a spiritual life. Being mindfulness and talking about it and being aware 
I think you need this paradigm. You need that moment where you just wake up. And once that happens, you can never go back. That's a really good point. And I think for some that happens in a moment of or right after trauma or tragedy. And it could be with your own personal like financial situation or health situation or a loved one passes away or you are just in such a challenging predicament, it becomes that catalyst for to push you through. And we are all living in this time period where it's one of a kind, where individuals across the globe have experienced some sort of lockdown or impact due to the current health condition or predicament that we're in as it relates to corona. And so for some, it, it might have been that. Others, it's stress. It could be from work. It could be they're in an, ab- an abusive relationship or what have you. But what I thought was impactful when I was taking that course was just the act of paying attention and being present is being mindful and not using judgment. Because I think a lot of times we bring in our past or we anticipate the future. And so we are we're either mourning over the past or we're regretting over the past or being we're being resentful over the past, you know, circumstance or individual. Or as it relates to the future, we are we're feeling anxious, we're stressing out, we're anticipating something. And, you know, for a lot of people, it's not the most positive thing that's being anticipated or outcome. And then that brings its own set of negative feelings. But when we're in the moment, like right now in the moment, that is where we find the sense of peace and learning that anyone could do it in a variety of ways. Like, you know, when I, before taking the course, I said, oh, mindfulness. Okay. That's when you're doing yoga and eating really healthy. And, you know, you shop at Whole Foods. <laughs> was just, I had no clue. Which is a little bit part of it as well. I mean, I believe that you need a healthy body in order to also take off your classes that have your like lifelong programming. I mean, I believe that most people in their world believe they're just and fair. People don't get up in the morning and think, okay, I'm an evil bastard and I love myself for being this. I think people get up in the morning and think, I'm a great person and I want to do great things for the world they don't actually see a lot of times. When you wear pink glasses, everything looks pink. But if you take them off, you understand that maybe this is not pink. And I think that for me is the beginning of mindfulness, that you being in the moment is good. But if you wear these pink glasses, it's still a pink moment. So so being in the moment, I think is part of, of that equation. Because if you're not in the moment, obviously you can't see, you can't observe. You also have to radically observe things the way they truly are. Yes, that I agree. And I guess that brings us to the point of really paying attention, right? And so, for example, there's some rose bushes that there's a walkway that leads from my, my front door to where our cars are parked in the driveway. And so you have to walk down this walkway. And at the end, there's these flowering bushes. And... But the flowers are right at the base of the bush, like when they start blooming. And so if you're just head forward and you're on a mission, which usually I am, you will miss the flowers. 
And I remember reading a passage in one of the reading assignments that I had where being mindful is noticing the little flowers, like those little details that we so often forget because our minds are elsewhere. And I thought that was so incredible and powerful, but yet so simple. Another thing that really stood out to me that I remember is a lotus flower can only grow out of mud, right? It grows out of mud. And there's that contrast. You have this muddy, murky, uh, that most people would associate with something negative. And then you have this beautiful flower, this unique flower called the lotus. And there's that contrast again, the contrast in where the lotus flower blooms and or how the lotus flower blooms and or those little flowers along the path that we're walking each day or how the clouds are separating in the sky and creating this really cool pattern. I mean, really just stopping in your tracks and looking around you and paying attention and noticing the details. And you're just noticing them, appreciating them. And that brings you into this really interesting state of mind and feeling. And there's so many ways that you can do that. Yeah, I want to go back again to that point that obviously you're right. The key to be in the moment, also from principle of quantum mechanics, is the first key to absorb the moment, to be in the moment. But, you know, for me, it's also, you know, what do you see in the moment? Where does your focus go? Do you see this or do you see that? And that has a lot to do with, like, resonance. And I think really that the ability to be mindful is really has also a lot to do with being healthy, with having a healthy body, with having an aware consciousness to be able to see, to be able to hear, to be able to smell, to be able to absorb the world. In, In a way, you know, think about it. I mean, you're in that restaurant and let's just say you're a man and you're, there is this amazing woman sitting and signaling you, but you're not seeing her because you're just, you know, she's not in your focus. So the point is, you may be mindful about what you're eating in the moment. You may be mindful about, you know, that you're eating the right things, but you're actually completely not seeing another person. And, you know, that's what I mean with, you know, taking off the glasses, you know, this paradigm. It's like, I think when you develop spiritually, there comes a day where something happens in you where something opens that wasn't open before and where your awareness just expands and shifts to the right thing. Because look, even if you're mindful with the most beautiful lotus, but there is in the other end of that lake a child drowning, which you may not hear or see, then what's the point of being mindful about the lotus? That's an interesting question and perspective Going back to your example about the woman in the restaurant, I think a lot of times we, there are people that are brought into our lives and or circumstances or experiences that are, that we are confronted with that we ignore or dismiss because we aren't paying attention. And those individuals or those circumstances, those experiences are the very thing that can help us through the challenging time that we're in or help take our lives or our businesses or our health to the next level if we are paying attention. 
there are so many instances I could think back that I sort of took for granted that I was like, oh, that was a coincidence that because I was paying attention and I didn't know I was practicing mindfulness, I was just observing and appreciating. And, you know, this individual would walk up to me or I would give someone a compliment and that would turn into a conversation, which would then turn into an opportunity. And because I was there noticing, paying attention and appreciating, I wasn't judging I wasn't worrying about, oh, where I need to go to, or am I running late? Or I was just like, ooh, I really like that. And I'm going to make a comment about that. And and then that would lead to something. And so I think relating this back to our listeners and creatives and entrepreneurs that have this dream and have this journey that they're on, and sometimes the walls may seem so high, like, how am I going to accomplish this? But if you literally are just wherever you are, like stand in that moment and notice what's around you, you'd be surprised on what solutions will come to you, what inspiration would come to you. There may be a name of someone that pops in your head that you should call or write to. And that's by just taking a few minutes to be still, noticing what's around you, paying attention and letting your mind just calm down a little bit because often it's racing with one thought or another. And I think that's something that's been so valuable for me that I took away from that course was I would sort of accidentally and inconsistently do this in the past. But going through that course, I'm definitely more intentional and consistent with being mindful as much as possible, with paying attention, being present without judgment. I believe that judging anything is is definitely preventing to really look at something. Because if you predetermine, like wearing certain classes, you already made your decisions. You're not actually looking. So you're absolutely right about it. For me, it's still a more complex thing. I really believe that if your body is really healthy, free of toxins, free of pollutants, you're, you're actually able to really transmit your spirit into your body. Whatever you want to call that in a religious sense, your soul, your spirit. And whenever that happens and you're really in a healthy mind, in a healthy body, then only the resonance between you and everything around you starts to actually work. I mean, imagine a blind man walking around. How much can he observe? You can say, of course, he can maybe hear better. He can maybe smell better. He can maybe taste better. But still... He's impaired. He will not see what you see. He will not experience what you experience. And for me, it's like it looks in the moment that a lot of us don't see and don't hear. I mean, look, COVID is bringing that out, for example, as as a good case. It's true that people are dying of that. And it's true that so many people are suffering. But we forget that, you know, shutting down economies, doing certain actions, creates much more suffering on the other side of the world. I read the other day that more children have died of hunger than ever in the history of man, because basically the breadcrumbs of our huge economies are no longer falling on the floor. And that's why they don't have enough to eat. So when we are self-absorbed with our problems to survive and to be healthy and to keep our own well-being up, we forget that in the, the whole economy of the world, is drastically affected and that's it and that's what i mean with with having this basic i really believe that if you want to be mindful you have to really start with your body 
you have to go on a detox, you have to go on regular exercise, you have to really start working at yourself. Because then you only have the ability to see and feel and hear the right things. Okay. I'm not disagreeing with that. I do feel that if you, the healthier you are and the more in balance you are, it absolutely allows you to be more intentional about being mindful and, and get more positive effects out of that practice. And this is also a good time for us to transition where you're going to be the host for a few minutes and you're going to ask me a few questions. And then we're going to get some questions from our listeners as well. So I love it. Yes. (laughs) What do you want to know? (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Well, first thing is, did you have a moment where like mindfulness became, I mean, how can you say a thing in your life? What was the moment where you said, okay, this is something that I need. This is something that is important for me. Well, yeah, that was a great question. I would say this summer when I was working on my book and I was stressed and distracted, a lot of individuals, you know, more so worrying about others and how they were dealing with the situation and wanting to be a, a guidepost for them. And trying to find a way to stay creative, even though I was distracted and stressed. It's hard to create something when you don't have, you're not replenishing that energy, you know, you're not replenishing that well. And the knowledge that I was getting around different techniques of mindfulness from breathing techniques to breathing meditation, to yoga and the variety of yoga practices to eating, like mindfully eating, which I didn't even know was a thing. And learning that anything from dancing to walking to exercising to to gardening can be mindful practices. And so I was just excited about all these different ways that I could incorporate being in the present moment in my life, which also showed to increase creativity to increase productivity, to decrease stress and anxiety. And these are all the things that I needed to do. I had to turn a book around within just about eight weeks from that time period. And I was, the more I thought about it, the more stressed I got. And so when I was implementing those techniques, I was just doing, I was saying, you know what? I'm just gonna write a little bit today. I'm just going to edit a little bit today and just focus on what I can do right now in this moment. And, but before I do that, I'm going to, maybe put on some music that I know I enjoy. I'm going to run for 20 or 30 minutes before I sit down to write. I'm also going to be really conscious about what I'm eating and how quickly I'm eating that. Because I think a lot of times when we're rushing back and forth, we're just grabbing something, we're throwing it in our mouths, we're swallowing, and we're like, okay, good, I'm, I've satisfied my hunger. But were you really intentional about what you're eating and what it can do for your body and all the amazing wonders that come from our food if we're eating the right foods and how that can also increase your creativity and help balance out your body. And so I would think that was sort of a critical moment for me where I needed to be mindful in order to complete this task, get this book done, into the <laughs> hand it into the publisher on time. And I was tapping into the various techniques that I felt that I could do within my surroundings. And so I bought more plants and brought them in the home. I would put on music that I know 
helped sort of bring you in that present moment, like 528 hertz frequency, music that had that frequency. I was more present when I was doing my daily walks or runs. And I made sure I did that before I started writing. I think that's maybe also something we can share with the listeners that mindfulness needs a little bit of preparation. It's like you have to be in, you have enough oxygen in your body, you have the right diet, you have the, the right mindset, so to say. And then, in my opinion, mindfulness just happens. It's more a result of this. I mean, I had once a yoga teacher in Nepal, and he told me, look, meditation is nothing you can do. It's something that just happens. All you do is different yogas to prepare for that moment when meditation happens. But you're not actually sitting down and saying, I'm meditating. It just happens by itself when you're ready. That's interesting you bring that up. I remember a distinct experience when I had my first, I would say, deep meditative experience, I guess, if I would call it that. And to be honest, up until that point, I didn't even know how to really meditate or <laughs> what that was. I knew you sit there quietly and try to clear your thoughts and start breathing, but that was pretty much the extent of it. My mentor passed away unexpectedly, and I was pretty shocked and distraught. And something came to me, a friend of mine had told me years prior about her introduction to Reiki music. I didn't really know what it was, but at that moment, when I was just like crying hysterically, the words came to me in my mind, like, turn on Reiki music. So I just went to YouTube and I Googled Reiki music and then I started playing the music and I just sat quietly listening to it. And then before I knew it, I was meditating where I wasn't, my mind wasn't racing about what happened, how could this happen, feeling sorry for myself that I just lost a really dear friend and mentor and all these other things. What was I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. I was just still and I was clear of thought. And then at that moment, all these amazing inspirational words and thoughts were coming to me at a rate that I couldn't even keep up with, just coming to me. And when I was coming out of this experience, I really felt full, like in a really good way. Like my soul felt full. And I knew I didn't have to cry about losing him. And I knew that it was his time for whatever reason. And I accepted that. And it was time for me to move forward. And that was incredible. So I, I completely get what you said. It just happens. For me, it just happened. But now that I've experienced it, I know when I do choose to meditate and use the different techniques to get into that space, I know what it feels like. So I, I do think it's something you have to experience first. I think so too. I mean, in a way, I really believe that the total extent of mindfulness that maybe is spoken in Buddhism or in quantum mechanics to really be absolutely a part of the moment and to give everybody radical permission to be him or herself. To just say, look, I'm okay with you the way you are. You don't have to change for me. You don't have to have unnecessary polite uh, words towards me. I just accept you the way you are. I accept the moment the way, the, the way the moment is. I accept everything the way it is, just as it is. But I think there is a certain journey one has to go to be able to really experience it. 
And again, once you experience it, you know it and it will come again and again. That's so true, Dr. Bellinger. And I love those points that you just made. And I think this is also a good time for us to take questions from our listeners. Are you ready? Yeah, great. Shoot. (laughs) All right. So Christopher is asking, what are two to three benefits of mindfulness that have helped you increase your creativity? Well, I think the main thing in creativity is to discover something or to bring something out. And I think if you're mindful of that little seed that grows into this majestic tree, that definitely helped me a lot because maybe in earlier times, I just didn't even see the seed of the tree and then it could never grow and blossom. So I think it's definitely finding those pearls on the way. Awesome. Very well said. And for me, in terms of creativity, I find that one, ideas come to me more easily. And I don't have to try so hard. When we think about writer's block, for example, going back to the book, it's real. (laughs) (laughs) You're just sitting there. You're like, okay, as much as I want something to come out, nothing's coming out. (laughs) But when I'm like running, for example, or even walking, all these ideas come to me. They're just like, like this download. And sometimes I get so excited from all the information that's coming to me. I have to cut my walk short or my run short, go home and just start writing it down. Or if I have my phone with me, I will stop and open up the notes page in my phone and jot down those ideas before they go away. So I feel that when we find those practices that make sense for us, may it be the walking or running or dancing or yoga or breathing meditations, whatever it is, it absolutely increases the amount of ideas and inspiration that comes to you. And then it also just puts you in a more peaceful and positive state of mind where you can handle negative emotions or news so much more easily. Like when my mentor passed away, I was devastated. And coming out of that meditation, like even to this day, I have not shed a tear when I think about his passing. And that's powerful. It's almost like a super weapon. So those are some things that I I found helpful. We have another question from Maya Elizabeth. Her question is, how important is it to practice mindfulness daily to increase creativity? That's from Maya Elizabeth. Okay, so it's there, so the daily part and the increase. So I, I think the daily part is maybe the easy thing to start. Just to, you know, do something again and again, and then basically create a habit. Don't do it once in a while, but make it a habit to be aware, make it a habit to be open, have an open posture, be inviting, you know, to people, to moments, to circumstances. So I think this is definitely something we should do all the time. And then the effect is going to be the creativity. The effect is going to be the information. It's going to be new friends, new partners, new new everything. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, I love that. I think that also to help people make it a part of their daily routine is to maybe just pick one thing that you want to do that day. So for example, when I go out in a, especially when I was traveling more, I haven't traveled obviously in a long time, but when I was traveling, 
And when I'm out, we're all in the same boat. (laughs) When I'm traveling out and about, I just love giving compliments to people. Like I would find one thing that I truly loved about that person. And it could be something they're wearing. It could be their hair. It could be their smile. It could be how the greeting they just gave me. Oh, I love that. I'm going to add that to my repertoire. This is nice. How you could change someone's day and life, right? Just by one word. And so, and then the response that they give, getting a compliment from a stranger. Oh my gosh, it's so wonderful. So you're receiving as you're giving. And that's a simple way of being mindful. Just paying attention to that person that's in front of you, that's walking by you and and finding something pleasant to say to them, whatever that is. Another thing that I try to do. Sometimes, especially as a man, you can maybe not say everything that's in your head to let's say a beautiful woman that walks by. But I think even if you don't have to say it, just to notice the person and to notice the beauty around you, I think that's even the first step. And if you then happen to have a conversation and then even mentioning that, it's even better. But I think just even to notice the beauty, to notice the nice, I think that's maybe the start. You know, if you're a bit shy and if you're not so outgoing that you right away talk to anybody, that could be the first step in that direction. And the rest will follow. Yeah, that's a great point. Noticing something anything. And and even within your own home environment, maybe the game is, I want to notice something new today that I've never noticed before. And you will be looking for something and you could discover so many cool things within any room in your home. And so that is something that you could do simply to practice mindfulness. Another thing that I try to do now more often is to eat mindfully. So I'll just pay attention to just chewing my food more slowly, really enjoying the flavors and the textures and that moment. And so again, whatever activity you're doing, try to enjoy that moment that you're doing it. And I think one thing that all of us could agree to and going through this experience globally is that nothing is guaranteed or promise to you in the future and things can change at a moment. And so the one thing you do have is this present moment. And so you're doing something and make the most of that moment. If you're sitting in a chair, maybe appreciate how comfortable it is or at least notice how uncomfortable it is. That means you're still being present. So those are, I think, some hacks that you can introduce into your day. And I love how you mentioned that the result is increased creativity, increased health, increased productivity, increased happiness. That's the result of doing those small things by paying attention, being present, finding an activity that you enjoy. Is it gardening? Is it walking? Is it yoga? Is it dancing? Is it listening to music? Like what is something that you enjoy that you can do daily or switch it up and just really enjoy the moment when you're doing whatever that activity is? I think you're absolutely right. I mean, let me introduce as a little last thing, a concept that I learned from uh, ancient Sanskrit. Uh, There's two words. I mean, one you may have heard that's called Maya and one is called Lila. Maya basically means deception. It's, It's how creation sometimes can be tricky, how you could be tricked person or by a situation. And Lila is just the opposite. 
that you're no longer afraid, but you just play. It's like a game. It's like a dance. It's like a continuous dance to interact with creation. And I think mindfulness has a lot to do with engaging in that dance, being ready. And, you know, especially, you know, when, when you talk about the Caribbean or South America, you know, dance is such an important thing there, even though people may be poor, people may be not having a lot, but they still enjoy that dance so much. And I think maybe that's one thing also to start, to just dance again, to sing again, to use and express happiness. Uh, explanation point, explanation point, explanation point. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Oh my gosh. Yes, 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 yes. I don't even want to say anything else after that. That was so perfect to dance and see this as a game and play. And oh my gosh, that was amazing. And being from the Caribbean, listen, all of that resonated with me. <laughs> <laughs> to no longer be afraid. Oh, man, when you're in the moment, there's no fear, right? And so, but it, it does take those steps. It does take doing just one little thing, being intentional about it, making it a part of your daily routine. And then it eventually just becomes habit like anything else. And then you will see the result of those actions and activities. And, and you'll be able to see the contrast before you started doing those things. And that's what I've seen. I mean, so much goodness flows when you are in the present and appreciating all the time. And the present moment never goes away. It's always the present moment. And so really appreciating those moments and for the contrast or for the good, whatever it is, but paying attention and appreciating it. So yeah, I think this is a good time to wrap it up. I mean, I loved everything you shared. I hope our listeners, I know our listeners are going to take something away from this conversation that they can apply to help them on their creative journey, on their entrepreneurial journey. If they wanted to reach out to you, Dr. Brillinger, for any more insight, how could they best get in touch with you? Well, I have a LinkedIn profile and I'm very active on LinkedIn. So you just go on my name, Dr. Christian Berlinger, and you contact me anytime. I'm very happy when you reach out to me and I normally answer very quickly. And that's sort of say, my social media poison. So <laughs> ready for anything that comes. LinkedIn is a good one. LinkedIn is a good one. So thank you again for joining me on another episode of Unleash Your Supernova. I hope you took something amazing away from today's topic. Please get the book, pre-order the book, Unleash Your Supernova, and you'll find some more insight and tips on diving deeper. Buy it for your friends. Buy it for yes. your grandma. Buy it for everyone. <laughs> yes, you hear that, guys? <laughs> so I definitely dive deeper in mindfulness and hacks to become more mindful that will help you along your creative journey. So definitely check out the book, Unleash Your Supernova. Thanks again for joining me. And until next time, and thanks again so much, Dr. Brillinger. And I'm sure you'll be back again. <laughs> it was really a pleasure. It's always fun to be here and I loved every minute of it. So thanks a lot. It was really a great time. As always. Okay, guys. Bye. Bye.